This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Jackbox. Get five hilarious party games in the Jackbox Party Pack from the creators of You Don't Know Jack. Now on Xbox One, PS3, PS4, Steam, and more. Go to jackboxgames.com for more info. Welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is friend of mine and of the Nerdalogs, Logan Dean. And he talks to me about his love of and obsession with H.P. Lovecraft. Um, this was a good one for me because I just had no grounds for any sort of knowledge where Lovecraft is concerned, honestly. Um, I've said it before on the podcast and I'll say it again. I am not well read. But with that said, um, it was so cool to hear Logan talk about the vast amounts of things that have really been directly influenced and created uh, based on Lovecraft works. And it's crazy to, you know, know so much more about him Um that he, you know, never really found any success while he was actually alive and writing. Uh, and then other people have had to come along and kind of cobble together all of his stories to even have compendiums of them. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's really funny and really telling about the kind of effect that he had and the kind of presence that he is and this, this kind of, like, um, cult fanship that seems to have... Uh, built up around H.P. Lovecraft and his works, um, which are mostly short stories, which I wouldn't have even realized. I, guys, really did not know much. Um, I basically covered, during the course of the podcast, all the things that I actually knew about Lovecraft. So, you'll get to hear all of them interspersed with the vast amounts that Logan knows and reads about and has experienced and has written about and uh, has played on uh, when it comes to um, Arkham Horror, which is his favorite board game that's inspired by um, the works and monsters and characters and settings and such of H.P. Lovecraft stories. So we spent a decent amount of time on that, too. Uh, fans of his, I do not think, will be disappointed by this. And newcomers uh, like myself will definitely leave um, interested. And I was just... Yeah, honestly pretty surprised by um, how little there is to know and to be able to access, but how much of an influence it has had on so many people in terms of uh, creative works and just in terms of, you know, there there is such a cult following for that guy. And I think that really speaks a lot to what kind of writer he was. Um, so this was really fun. And definitely a great way for me to um, find out more 
about both Lovecraft and Logan's experience with him. We'll do some quick plugs before we get to the conversation. First of all, thank you so much to the Chicago Podcast Cooperative for setting up the sponsors for this show and for many other Chicago-based podcasts that you should absolutely check out. Go to chicagopodcastcoop.com for more information on that program and absolutely check out the other podcasts that are on the Nerdalogs network that includes your stories which is uh, our monthly storytelling show you can find stories from logan on there and uh and myself and the other members of the Nerdlog, and a bunch of other past guests of mbsing just a bunch of cool ass people uh that goes out every other week in their uh recordings of those live shows uh and then weekly you can check out talking games with tim and clayton uh, currently being hosted by Kellen Terrett and Clayton Marchison, uh, but Tim Dunn, who is the regular guest who Kellen is filling in for for uh, uh, an extended period of time. All three of those guys have been on the show before, and they're all just lovely, lovely dudes, and they all love video games so much. So if that's something you dig, go check that out because it's a great show. Um, and just, just support everybody. If you like this, you'll probably like that. Especially if you like playing video games. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock at the Annoyance Theater, I'm continuing to host the Fishbowl with my improv group, Sight Unseen. The Fishbowl is a show specifically geared towards Annoyance students, but I can guarantee a fun time each and every week. If you're not a student, come watch. If you are a student, throw your student ID into the Fishbowl and maybe it'll get drawn so that you can play with some Annoyance uh, regulars, teachers, veterans, etc. Great chance to play, great chance to see some great improv. But who's asking me? No one, but I'm telling you anyway. Sunday night, May 3rd, live 100th episode recording of MBSing, 7 o'clock at some office. The address is 1917 North Elston. That is the Cards Against Humanity Comedy Theater. Speaking of Cards Against Humanity, my guest is Trin Garitano. She is the events czar, master planner, uh, makes everything happening run smoothly for cards. And she is a total fucking joy to be around and spend time with and talk to. And her favorite show is Parks and Recreation. And she told me she wanted to talk about it on MBSing, and that is also my favorite show, my favorite thing. It would also be what I would talk about on MBSing, so I'm selfishly co-opting this topic <laughs> with Trin. Uh, but no, I mean, it'll just be a really great time. Uh, I'm so excited to share it with a live audience. Um, come celebrate the show with me and with other people who dig it. Um, and instead of just, you know, listening in your earphones, like you usually do, that's what I would do. You, you might be listening through some speakers in your kitchen while you cook some din. I don't know. I don't know your life. I don't know when you listen to podcasts. You might have some sort of car-based morning commute. Um, uh, anywho, either way, you are never listening to it as it's happening. But 
if you come on the 3rd at 7 o'clock, May 3rd, 7 o'clock, 1917 North Elston, you will not only be listening to it as it's happening, but watching it as it's happening, experiencing it with other people, seeing how much I will laugh and clap my hands and talk too loudly, just like you get to hear me, but you actually get to see it now, and I will inevitably go on for so long about all of the things that Trin and I love about Parks and Rec. It's the best, it's the best. If you like Parks and you aren't totally caught up on all the show, I would strongly recommend watching that whole thing before you come. Because I am not going to want to pull punches on spoilies for those last couple seasons. It's out. It's been out. Catch up. Finish it. It's the best show on TV, and it's going to be a great night. (laughs) I'm rambling. Get used to it uh, if you come to see the show. Anywho, I think that's it. This has been a good intro, I think. Tried to keep it high and tight. Uh, nope. Uh, high and tight is one of the accepted haircuts by Ron Swanson, who's a character on Parks Recreation, who, which will be the topic of the show on the third. That wasn't a transition into the show you're about to hear. It was just a, a transition back into the plug I just finished. Uh, enjoy this conversation about H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, I, the first time I went to McCormick was for a science conference. It wasn't even for a C2E2. And every day at lunch, I would just try to, like, find the, not the, like, least worst food. Right. Like, the staples down there are Connie's Pizza. Yes. And a McDonald's. Yes. And those, and are, like, your, those are your options. And it's so funny that you say that, because the first day I had Connie's, it wasn't great. Second day, I had a terrible burrito that was way too expensive. I was like, fuck this. And I went to McDonald's the last two days. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> at least it's, it's not good, but at least you know what it is. Exactly. It's like and a, it's like priced the same as what you'd expect. So, you know, exa- that's exactly how I justified it. I was there's like, there's no mystery there. I know I, I'm going to spend like six bucks on shitty McDonald's food, but at least I know what I'm getting. <laughs> I yeah. don't have to eat <laughs> Connie's pizza that's been sitting under a lamp for new, oh, who knows how long. <laughs> yeah, a while, a long time ago, I realized like getting like a Subway or a potbelly sandwich beforehand, like a big one, and shoving it in your bag, and then like grabbing like an orange and a banana. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, or like granola bar or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And then having a big bottle of water. Yeah. Because you know the bottle of wine. Hey, you for. <laughs> I know there was one, um, I don't think it was C2E2, I think it was a smaller, maybe Wizard World, uh, Joe and somebody else from the Nerdalogs, maybe Alex Salavera, a member of Meritas, went with, uh, they put wine into, like, vitamin water bottles, uh, so that it looked the same color, and the Nerdalogs had a little booth. So they were, like, drawing pictures for people all day. Just, like, what do you want us to draw a picture of? And just doing, like, silly doodles and talking about the show we had coming up or they had coming up. Uh, But, like, by halfway through the day, they were, like, buzz slash drunk. And then, like, another few hours later, they were, like, coming down from being drunk at, like, 6 at night when everything's wrapping up. And they're, like, oh, god damn it. What have we done? (laughs) I'm pretty good friends with the Nerd City dudes. And they always always had beer at their booth. Nice. So I, every lap, I'll stop by. Try to like, grab one. That's. It's also nice because if you buy a lot of shit, 
you can leave it somewhere. Oh. To, like, know people in a booth. Yeah, that is super clutch. When we were, we went with Octavarius, we had a booth one year, like, mm-hmm. to promote the wrestling show we were doing. Cool. And, uh, that was really nice. <laughs> yeah, going with the Neurologs was definitely, like, the way I would want to be introduced to something like that. Because you said you've been to, like, 30, and I've been to the only conventions I've ever been to with the Neurologs. <laughs> I used to, go for a few years there, I was doing C2E2 and Wizard World. Dang. It was nuts. So many cons. Um, let's do this. Let's do it. My guest today is Logan Dean. Hi. Uh, he's gonna talk to me about his love of H.P. Lovecraft, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I love Lovecraft. I love craft. Uh, what's the origin of your love? I for started HP? reading HPL uh, in high school. <laughs> uh, when I started reading like the Martin books, like the Game of Thrones books. Oh, okay. Like, wow. Uh, the uh, there were some, unlike the Lord of the Rings books, obviously, mm-hmm. and then the Hitchhiker's yeah. books. I I read I've read Lord of the Rings. I haven't read any of those other things. Like, yeah, so it was like that and like the Hitchhiker Guide books, mm-hmm. and I was getting into like um, Stephen King mm-hmm. a lot. So, it's getting into Stephen King. High school is definitely like prime time to start getting into most of those things, but especially yeah. probably Stephen King. Oh, yeah, because there's so much of it. <laughs> right, right, right. <clears throat> and uh, I was reading those books and like the Dune books, and mm-hmm. I read a thing, I read uh, on writing Stephen King's, like, thing about, his book about how to write. I've heard of it. <laughs> and, I said it. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. <laughs> uh, and he talks about a little about Lovecraft in there and how he's, like, huge influence on him. Cool. Uh, so, like, I got into that, and then... Oh, gotcha. So it was via uh, Stephen King, yeah, kind of. Yeah, but it was also, like, this name that I'd heard around uh-huh. a lot as, like, a kid. Because um, mm-hmm. he's... He wasn't really famous when he was um, alive, but in, like, the 70s... I was going to say, when was he really writing? He was writing in the late 20s, okay. uh, early 30s, and he actually died when he was, like, 46. Wow. So he got published. His first published work was when he was, like, 31, mm-hmm. and then he just wrote. But he was, like, an introvert, and, like, um, I, I'll get... To yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get, I, but, I'm uh, jumping again, but I just I, know so little that I'm like, tell me everything. Yeah, he's, he's a weird guy. Uh, uh, but so Stephen it was, King it's like, about it, it kind of goes back even farther, where, like, I was really into horror movies growing up, mm-hmm. and one of my favorites is Reanimator. Okay. Uh, it's this movie starring Jeffrey Combs, and he's, like, a mad scientist, and okay. reanimates dead bodies, trying to figure out how to bring them back from the dead. But the... Totes, Dr. The, Frankenstein thing. Oh, yeah. But the full name of that movie is H.P. Lovecraft's Reanimator. Because oh. it's based off of some of his stories. Okay. So I never understood who that guy was until, That's, like... Isn't that interesting how you can, like... Because I don't even think I really knew who, like, Alfred Hitchcock was for a long time. You know? It's right. just, like, you hear... When I was younger, anyway. Right. You just hear a name... And you don't really know how to, like, associate it with something. It's just like, oh, that guy must have had something to do with it. Right. <laughs> Until you really, like, understand what kinds of things can, like, inspire film, what kind of, like, <laughs> yeah, positions and, like, people, people take in them. That's the other thing is, like, as a kid, you don't understand that people are write, a, writing that Directors stuff. and they're writers. They're directing it, but they're also adapting things Other that works. are already available. Yep. And, totally. Uh, I guess I figured that out, like... With Disney movies, because those are all pretty oh. much adaptations. Mm-hmm. Like, as a kid. That's a good point. But then, like, this name Lovecraft kept popping up, especially when I was getting really into horror mm-hmm. and, like, fantasy and sci-fi and shit. Mm. So, uh, so I looked him up, and, like, I found a bunch of stuff. It's, like, he's all short stories. 
Um, the guy is all short stories. He wrote a couple of long fictions, like uh, At the Mountains of Madness and The Case of Charles Dexter Ward are like his longer fictions. Uh-huh. But it's mostly all short stories. Okay. Um, so it's like, yes, sweet. Did he write them mostly <laughs> as compilations or... No, he never had... A, he actually never had a book published. He never uh, published... The uh, when he was alive, he never published any of his works uh, outside of pulp magazines. Wow. So he became this, like, king of pulp magazines. Like, he would submit... He was one of the earliest contributors to, like, Weird Tales magazine and Amazing Fantasy. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so he never, like, found, saw his name on a book or had any of his works collected while he was alive. So, like, that... But he inspired all these other authors. Yeah. Like... I would think Eventually so. Stephen King, but even when he was alive, he was inspiring all these authors, so he would write to them all the time, and they would have this correspondence, and he, like, inadvertently, like, said about, like, the course of modern horror fiction. Oh. By inspiring these writers, and those writers would inspire other writers. Oh, so, like, cool. writers like August Derelith and uh, uh, Robert E. Howard, who created Conan the Barbarian. Okay. Um... Robert Block, who wrote Psycho. Okay. Robert Block was, like, actually his youngest correspondent. He was 15 when he was No way. Yeah. And... Uh, Isn't it interesting to think about how things had to be, like, popularized in, like, that <laughs> era? <laughs> Like, you had to, like, the sequence of events that had to happen. You had to read this guy's story in another pulp magazine. Right, you have to go down to, like, the newsstand. You're right. You have to buy a brightly colored pulp magazine that you have to hide from your parents. (laughs) Because they think it's, like, bullshit. Yeah. And, like, degenerate art. Right. Well, not even degenerate art, just Just degenerate shit. Shitty, yeah, Like, it's, uh, like, in the 20s and 30s and 40s. So conservative. So in the 40s, but, like, comic books and pulps were, they're, like, on par with, like, pornography. Yeah. In, like, a, like, a general idea sense. That's absurd. It's okay for them to be displayed, but, like, it's not art and it's not literature of substance to uh, those people. Pulp. Because pulp and especially comic books, that's a the my rant on comic books is a whole isn't there podcast. isn't there a uh, <laughs> isn't there some kind of like movement or uh wasn't there like a huge change in the way that comic books were perceived because of like one person or one author or something like yeah, that yeah um there was uh this is a complete tangent right it's subject. a tangent but um there was a pamphlet distributed um called seduction of the innocent yeah in the 50s that's totally what uh, i'm thinking of and i forget i think i can't remember the dude's name he's a doctor of some bullshit. yeah but he was basically saying that like comic books were corrupting youth that's right and they were trying to like distill like seduction of the innocent. oh there was a lot of like communist stuff in there yeah um yeah seduction of the innocent that i've read that it's there's i actually, think i've read there's parts actually of it as a well. comic book adaptation of seduction of the innocent no awesome. way yeah that's so funny <laughs> uh yeah obviously a tangent but oh yeah a comic book I can it's just so funny to think about like <laughs> to think about how differently like yeah, he inspired people, but they couldn't just, like, go online and, you know, read no. a blog that he wrote or and something. And couldn't just email him either, so that's where <laughs> the letters come out and stuff. And the crazy thing about Lovecraft is he loved correspondence. Like, that's he cool. He was so into that. He wrote, oh man, this is an off number, maybe less than 60 short stories. 
two long stories. Mm-hmm. But the guy wrote like 20 letters a day. Every Holy day shit. For 20 years. What? Yeah. <laughs> are le- there collections of letters? There of his? are. I actually own one. They're no really way. hard to find. Um, I got one for myself for Christmas this last year. <laughs> nice. Because uh, I wrote a play about Lovecraft. Right. We've uh, talked about this before, I think, when you mentioned that you wanted to do this as your topic. Yeah, well, the, hence why I know so damn much about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so you were you were into you started reading him in high school. Started reading him in high school. Got really into it. Kept reading him. I I still read like I'll read yeah. Lovecraft and the mythos. Like the the writers that he inspired end up writing this large like body of work called the Cthulhu Mythos, which is all based off of his original works. Right. Just expanding it and plotting it out because what Lovecraft was really writing about was like he was at this time when astronomy was really blowing up and mm-hmm. we were seeing the cosmos for the first time. For the first time, yeah. I fucking love that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So we was talking about, but in it, as an introvert and someone who's alone a lot and didn't have uh, like, interaction with a lot of people, Mm -hmm. he would like, he would stay in his house all day and then he would walk the streets of Providence, Rhode Island at night, just alone. And then that's how he got, like, he also wrote from his dreams because he had really bad night terrors. Uh, Oh, that's awful. So like, in seeing this cosmos open up before him, he kind of started thinking about being alone and how in the scheme of everything, we are all, like, alone as a unit of people. Sure. And that the cosmos as a whole doesn't care. Like, it's, <laughs> it's 100% indifferent to the struggles of man. Right, right, right. And so his stories are these grand... So, like, very nihilistic. It is. it is. It's really nihilistic. But there's also, like, a hope in there because <laughs> he's also saying that mankind can look at this and it's going to drive him in completely insane. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cuz it always ends up driving the character insane. But uh, <laughs> but that once it grasps like the futility of its its its, its existence that it'll just lose its mind. Oh god. <laughs> so it's like yeah, really nihilistic <laughs> shit that I latched onto as a teenager. Uh-huh. Obviously. Uh-huh. Like, I'm so alone. You, oh, no one understands me. None te- of this matters. <laughs> they tentacle monsters are gonna eat me. So. <laughs> Why am I so worried about this now? <laughs> uh, none of this matters. Tentacle monsters. <laughs> but that, uh, like it really resonated with me. And I think a lot of people, like especially in the thirties and forties when like his works were coming out, mm-hmm. uh and then again, when his works were re-released in like the seventies and eighties, like mm-hmm. there was these weird resonances there. And the guy is weird. He's a weird guy. He's just I alone. I think you'd have to be and, <laughs> to uh, write those kinds like, of things. Lived in Providence almost his entire life, and it's just a sad guy. Uh, so did you keep? What made you? Where did? Uh, did you like work with the? play that you wrote in college or no um a few years back i did a play uh i wrote a play with my friend my buddy keenan oh yeah and uh chris gordon and aaron lane called all that jaws it was our jaws musical right and i loved working on that play it was great we had a great time Um, and aaron lane aaron lane oh lane yeah and we had a great time and it almost drove me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it into the madness. And then started screaming about tentacle monsters. Yeah, so I, I went a little crazy. <laughs> I was do, wearing a lot of hats doing that. and uh, Too much. Uh, so I was like, uh, I want to write a play, but I don't want 
anybody else in it. Oh. Because <laughs> I was working with a big ensemble. That is so true that, like, so, trying to do something with a lot of moving parts will make you want to do something that only has one moving part. It's <laughs> like, I want to just do a show that I wrote, and then maybe somebody else directs, but then I'm in. That's so true. And so I was like, oh, well, I've wanted to write this thing about Lovecraft for a while. Just, like, this autobiographical piece. Or auto, that doesn't make sense. This biographical piece about Lovecraft. <laughs> An uh, autobiographical piece right. that you wrote about Lovecraft. That I yeah, wrote yeah, about because yeah, yeah. I'm him. Uh, uh, well, I knew that, but I didn't think anything of it because I know that eventually you kind of you became, I became him. Like, I, autobiographical. I, I, became, I became a fucking Lovecraft character right. because what I was doing was I wanted to write this story about him and his dreams and how he's writing these books these stories and so it was like obviously you'd read a lot of other stuff about what he was like outside of just reading I, his I, own works I'd read um, there's an amazing two part biography um, by S.T. Joshi who's like the preeminent love death scholar who <laughs> I think I have to like kill in a volcano <laughs> In order to be for, like, to surpass to be him, the the, the number next, one, what is isn't that <laughs> the a keeper of the flame um, or a Little Miss Sunshine uh, storyline that Steve Carell's character? Have you ever seen Little? Oh, movie. it's wonderful. You totally should. <laughs> Steve Carell's character is like the world's second foremost uh, Proust uh, scholar <laughs> or Proust, however it's pronounced. Yeah. Um, but uh, the but he like. He's suicidal because he used to be in a relationship with the f- world's first foremost scholar. Okay. So, like, it's it's a, a pretty specific. That is uh, really specific. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of how it is. Like, S.G. Joshi's been writing these books for years now. He wrote an annotated Lovecraft that's okay. awesome. And, like, he actually wrote a second biography. I don't He didn't need to, but he did. Did you read the second one? I didn't read the second one because I read a two-part one. Yeah, I like, like oh, Jesus. I get it. But I had never read anything. I didn't Maybe read Maybe focus on, like, one part of his life or something. How do you just write a second whole thing? It was, like, the first part and then the latter. It was, it's, it's a long... It's called I Am Providence. It's really good. <laughs> um, if you're into reading about sad, sad... All right. Uh, but the but, letters. Oh, yeah. So I had... The, the show itself is going to be Lovecraft speaking in his own voice. Cool. And when he wrote, he wrote in this purposely archaic style. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was what he was doing is he was emulating his idols. Uh, oh, cool. Lord Dunsany and uh, like Poe. Wow. So he was throwing his language back. Cool. To sound like these old, uh, like gothic horror writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which was also such a specific time for writing, for right. sure. Yeah. That, that's another like push forward because like that's horror. Those right. are horror stories. Right. Shelley. Yeah. Novels. No one had ever really written suspense like that. No, like uh, Byron and like yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Stoker and then Shelley. They were writing horror that also wasn't accepted in their like in the uh, contemporary sense. Or right. But became like lit- literature. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Go to kind of things. And they they didn't think they were gonna like move literature forward like that because again like horror is still kind of this weird subgenre. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got. Yeah. Weird. What do you? Yeah. You can never. It's. Can't really be thrown in with anything else. No. Like there's no best horror movie. Exactly. That's exactly the kind of thing that I was just going to draw the analogy to. It doesn't fit in, like, comedy or drama. No. You're not going to... You rarely see a horror movie at the Academy Awards. Yeah. Uh, Except for, like, score. Horror scores win. Yeah, yeah. Because they're great. Because they're usually synth-heavy, so that's cool. Right. Um, And that's a good point, too, that, like, so much of horror is about atmosphere. So I'm sure so much of that writing is And that harkens back to, like, 
Greek tragedy. Things. Yeah. Like, it's all atmosphere. Those are horrors, too. Like, some of the stuff that happens in there, those are, like, directly, like, modern horror derives directly from that. Mm-hmm. And then moves forward through through time. And, That's like, cool. And you see this this uptick of this another tangent on horror uh, always, man. this uptick it's all, in like it's all associated 70s and 80s and like independent horror and then that gets really popular and then it gets big budget horror and you see that weighing down and now you're seeing another uptick in independent horror yeah um, because it, the, like it's almost like blockbuster horrors are aren't as popular anymore well no I mean well they beat that to death you had like what 18 Saw movies, Saws and like fifteen fucking, paranormal activity movies. Uh, what was the other one like? Saw. It's just oh, it's just bullshit. Like no. I mean, I that's oh, never been my thing. Hostile. That's the only thing I was trying like, to think of. Uh, you just had this, this shilling out. Of, yeah. Like, not like not. It's not fun and it's not like inventive. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know it if really, you saw it follows. I haven't, but I knew that was. I, I am such a fucking little scared no, cat. No, it's fine. I like, went to go I see don't... it by myself at the music box, which is like <sighs> this really great ambiance. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because I like going to horror movies by myself, mostly because people don't want to go to. I don't like horror movies. Uh, it's fine. I, it is. I would say it's one of the more divisive like movie dramas or movie genres. Excuse me. I think it is too. Like you don't see a lot. Of, like. I think fantasy used to be like that a little uh, bit. Yeah. But then the Lord of the Rings came out and it was like, and it got yeah, way more popularized. And That's a good Let's point. Do it. And then, but there uh, wasn't. And then Saw kind of did that for time. horror a little bit. That's why you saw those paranormal activity movies yeah. doing so well. And, um, and Fast and Furious did that Blair for Witch car, Project. car stuff. I was thinking it's so funny that you brought up Fast and Furious because I was thinking about the popularity of those movies in in a similar way that like big budget horror movies or even not even big budget like blockbuster horror movies is more accurate. Sure. Uh, Most of which are remakes. Right. Of older, better horror. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's crazy to think about that genre in terms of, like, where it goes, what people find interesting about it. Right. Uh, I mean, everybody gets a different... Everybody who likes it gets something different out of it, too. But it like, does seem like those little indie horrors are really becoming popular right they're now. They're really good because you're getting people who are just writing inventive stories. Mm-hmm. And doing it with atmosphere, mm-hmm. which is—I mean, you could even consider one like um, *Cabin in the Woods*. It's just oh, like a oh, good Cabin genre twist. Woods is great. Yeah. I loved that movie. I liked uh, *Tucker Neal vs. Evil*. I never good. saw that. I heard it was uh, good, just though. stuff that kind of throws it, like takes kind of, the genre, kind of little pokes fun at it a little bit, but like mm-hmm. turns something new into it. *Attack the Block*. Anything oh, Attack the block was so Edgar Wrightish mm-hmm. is along those lines. But uh, yeah, but those are more popular. Like, horror is... I, I'd agree that horror is really di- divisive. Would you genre. qualify Lovecraft as horror or sci-fi? See, okay, it's all three. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. I thought, I so, feel like that's why we're hopping around so much, because yeah, there's just so much weird. ground like, to cover. And the thing is, is he plays into all of this. Like, modern horror wouldn't be anything without each Yeah, that's why I, I don't really think it's tangents. I think it's all just... on the way to modern horror that are directly influenced by Lovecraft, which is Stephen King and John Carpenter. Oh, cool. And I can move forward in time in a minute. Yeah. But yeah, he was writing these stories that were just batshit crazy, and people were like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And they're scary because they're you're watching, your eyes are through the protagonist, uh-huh. and he's slowly losing his mind. Oh. So you can't really take anything Unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator. And then at the end, you never, okay, two things always happen. You never actually see whatever the horrible thing is. Oh. Like, there's vague description 
But in that, it's a little more scary. Yeah, because I was going to say, which like, is typically create something scarier. in your mind. And V, whatever it is, drives that motherfucker batshit crazy. Ugh. <laughs> and he can't write anymore. Is it almost always anymore. a writer? Uh, yeah. It's just <laughs> weird. So you, so you were writing a play about something. I'm right. That's right. So we wrote. were... So I was writing a play, and I wanted to write it in his voice, capturing three distinct periods in his life. When he first sold his first story, after he got out of his marriage, and right before he died. Okay. Like those three really big points in his life. Okay. And so, but I wanted to write it in his voice as he's writing letters. Right. So the whole idea, the whole mechanism behind the play was is to he's write the play dictating via letters about or writing the story. Write the play via letters. Right. That's what I meant. But like, just combine a bunch of letters. So each scene is like one letter. Cool. Uh, kind of describing that period in his life. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, yeah. But I didn't know how he sounded because he wrote in this fucking bad <laughs> Oh, right, 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 right. So there's five volumes of his letters collected by Arkham House, which was this imprint started by August Derelith after his death to literally just to collect Lovecraft stories and publish them. Oh my gosh. But every run of those books was a, only a first edition Limited. Run. There's only a limited run of all the books. So they published the five volumes of the letters... There's not that many of them left. Like, this was in, like, 1974. And the weird thing is, is, like, all the authors who he wrote to kept their letters to him, from him. But, but he never how kept could they have so they're had... Because he sent, like, thousands, thousands of letters. letters. Yeah. So he didn't keep any of them. And so they're all response letters from Lovecraft, and you don't really know yeah, what they're talking about. But you don't know the context. That's right. so funny. That's so interesting. But I had and, to go... And, like, mind-boggling to try to piece so together. Right. So the, the Chicago Public Library has all the volumes. Cool. But each one is at a different library. Oh. And they're all reference volumes. So, so oh, yeah. take them out. I think you told me about so, this. So you just, like, pour so over them in the library. to libraries and, like, pour over them until, like, the library closed. Like, at one point... I had a, a lady come up to me and be like, um, we're closing. And I was like, oh shit. Oh god. But as I'm getting into this, I'm starting to like lose my mind a little bit because I'm pouring over this stuff and I'm going crazy a little bit. <laughs> Not because things are horrible or how, how long ago was this? It was like a year and a half ago. Really? Yeah. I saw the, the show is almost done because I added a part to it. Yeah. Of me going nuts. Right. So it became like this adaptation type play where I'm flashing. Now there's six scenes. There's oh, the three Lovecraft scenes, and then three scenes Threes. is me trying to piece together this play. Oh my god! Um, that's think... what so, so that's what I was like trying. So it's almost like incepted. So Lovecraft was someone who wrote about, who often wrote writers who were going insane. Yeah, writers, so you added yeah. another level to it where you were Whereas writing, about, writer, Lovecraft, writing about Lovecraft, writing about writers, going insane. going insane, myself going insane. <laughs> yeah. So like. I, and, like, for a year, uh, for about a year, I struggled crazy. with it. Like, I struggled with, like, I don't know how I'm going to end this. The thing kind of ends. It's just, like, these weird scenes. And Keenan's like, you're going nuts over this. And I was like, yeah. And he's mm-hmm. like, write about you going nuts over it. And I was like, damn it, that's good. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do that. It doesn't surprise me, though, that it took someone else's, like, because you were so obsessive about it. Oh, yeah. I was really blind so about it. Like, I was really, it, like, narrow That there was no it. way, I don't think, that you were going to... I mean, you may oh, no. come to that well, eventually, it, but... I think it, the whole thing with it is, like, it was this exercise for me... Yeah. ...to, like, get it out of my system. Yeah, so you it, said you're not... You don't even know if you have plans of, like, ever performing it. I don't perf- know if I want to perform it. it. Like, it's really good. I'd probably do it eventually. I, it's really... I think it's good. I was going to say, um, it's really good. 
really good. It's really good. <laughs> I think it, I think it's pretty good. It took me a long it time to write cool. it. And like it's just, It seems like something that would be a good niche of interest for. Yeah, and there's so I, many people who I've read love it. Love the guy. Yeah, I've read parts of it and I've had other people read it and so like if I wanted to do it, I would, but I don't really feel like doing it. I think right. I spent so much time on it that I was just, like, tired of it. Or if nothing else, not right after you've, like, finished it. Maybe yeah, I'm kind of in that like weird sitting it. on it period. Yeah, I that think makes it's, sense. It's, somebody else has it right now. Really? Yeah. To read it? To read it. Cool. I've been getting notes and stuff Good on for it, you. That's really great. Um, That's fucking awesome. Well, I, I don't like to just... I write a lot, and I yeah. don't like to just sit on it. I'll either read it somewhere, like at, at your stories mm-hmm. or at Shithole or something, and mm-hmm. then... Uh, but with something bigger, I'll, I like having people read it. Dole it out. That's awesome. Um, so what? So you mentioned Arkham as the name of uh, Arkham. Yeah. So, how well, is that Lovecraft, so Lovecraft kind of what he did was in this mythos that he created of all these giant evil elder gods that you can't pronounce any of their damn names. Right. Um, <laughs> he created this kind of like fictional version of New England. Okay. Because he grew up and like lived his whole life in Providence, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. So he would walk through like these old woods where like people had been for hundreds of years and find like weird shit. Mm-hmm. And so he created these towns in which is he what he was doing was he was bringing down large swaths of culture in his stories, like places where evil had to be. So he created these fictional towns. Oh. And it's what it's called is Lovecraft Country. Gotcha. And each one is comes from one of his stories. Like, uh, the shadow over Innsmouth introduces the town of Innsmouth, which okay. is a sleepy port village. But uh, like long ago, one of the like this cat, the sea captain, the village was dying, and he took this urn and he threw it in the ocean, and now they serve these evil fish people uh... who, in turn, have to like mate with them. So the whole town is like these weird, weird little fish people. people. And this guy goes there, like stopping over, trying to get to Arkham, and he like has to he gets like run out of town because they're trying to take him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, like, or in the Dunwich Horror, which the, he introduces this Hamlet of Dunwich, uh, where this uh, farmer made this unholy pact with I think it's Yog Sothoth. Yeah, it's Yog Sothoth. Uh, <laughs> like, so many. He like. He, he gave his daughter to Yogg Sothoth, and they had like an unholy union. And, like, it's this, like all this of his monsters are just combinations of vowels and ths. Yeah. That's, 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 well, well, Lovecraft. In one of his letters, he's like, "You're not supposed to be able to pronounce." To say any of them. They're, they're just combinations of letters on paper. Right. This is maybe what it sounds like. That's so funny. But they don't have words for themselves. So, like, in that sense, the main hub of all of this was the town of Arkham, which was. It was based off of Providence. Like, okay. Town of Arkham is Providence. Cool. And that's where everything starts. But the Ar- Arkham's also a weird place. Like, that's where Miskatonic University is, this fictional university um, that a lot of the characters either work at or they get cool. funded from or they go to school there. Um, oh, yeah. You gotta. You, universities are ripe for right. science and yeah, weird shit. Yeah, in At the Mountains of Madness, the, the plot of that book is that these two ships are going in on an Antarctic expedition for scientific samples. Cool. Um, and the expedition is funded by Miskatonic University. That and makes so the sense. two boats are called Miskatonic and Arkham. Oh, um, cool. And then they end up finding. That's so cool that everything. Even though it was all short stories, seemingly disjointed, that it was still so, like, cr- across all of those right. very world-building. dude, he has maps of Arkham that he drew. That's awesome. He was creating something bigger. Um, like, he was taking what his idols had done and kind of, like, he was like, yeah, but what if all these things were happening at the same time? Right. Like, what if, it, like, 
in it's Pose like the Black a Cat. Close right? quarters. Yeah, sort of. Uh, yeah, exactly. But like, what if like Impose the Black Cat? Somebody was down the street like walling a guy up, like uh-huh. <laughs> who had like wronged him. Like, what right, if right, right. All of these little potails had to happen. Right, 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 in right, the same right, right. And like, there, it's like, yeah, being walled up down the street from where the Telltale Heart is. Right, and what he was doing was he was like he was world building. Yeah. Which is something that authors do. Martin, George R. R. Martin does. Sure. Uh, Stephen King did it with the Dark Tower series. Um, before him, Tolkien did it. Yeah. But he was doing, he was doing these things before it was mainstream, was building, and, building a world. Yeah, and I still just think, yeah, I just think it's amazing that he built a world in such... He is so obviously a, like, creative... Um, you know, visionary type to be able to kind of like world build all of these things out, even though it was piecemeal. I think it's really yeah. Cool. Um, I don't think he knew what he was doing at really? first either. Some of his letters kind of hint at like he was kind of like, oh, these these things could be together. every once in a while. I mean, the guy also wrote he in a fun anecdote about H.P. Lovecraft. He wrote a, a story. He ghost wrote a story for Harry Houdini mm-hmm. called Beneath the Pyramids, in which mm-hmm. Harry Houdini like meets the god Set under a pyramid and has to like escape from him. Oh my gosh, which is <laughs> ridiculous. But he was writing all this stuff, and nobody had really done... And it was all contemporary, that was the thing. All the settings were contemporary. Um, which is another thing that not a lot of people have done since. Like, that's like a... T- he was writing a contemporary te- television show. It's just all this stuff happening in the same place. Uh-huh. All of it ending terribly. Uh-huh. But all this stuff happening in the same place, which is really cool. That is really cool. Uh, do you, so Ark, I was telling you before we started recording, uh, and you, I know you're a fan too, Arkham Horror is this, like, cooperative board game right. based in the world? It's based in the world, <clears throat> it's based in the themes of H.P. Lovecraft in the world, like, it actually takes place in Arkham, the board right. is the town of Arkham, but it's also heavily influenced by the other stories, like the other authors too, so there's, the expansions as you get them introduce bigger elements, like... Um, the King in Yellow by um, oh that's gonna that's mm. gonna drive me nuts but there's a book called uh, I Am of No Help <clears throat> <laughs> Robert uh, Robert Chambers uh, there's a book called The King in Yellow by Robert Chambers who's an English author um, but it's it's a book it's like a Lovecraft story it's, mm-hmm. it's, comp- uh, it's a bunch of short stories but they all have a running theme which is this play called The King in Yellow and if you read it it, it drives you crazy oh like, <laughs> classic right and then throughout the Three. short story collection are little snippets from the play oh and so Lovecraft cool, had cool, read cool, this cool, and he cool, loved cool, that cool. so he actually like he was infamous for making up books like he would make he made up the Necronomicon like the, yeah like uh, he invented that and like for years after people thought it was a real thing. But he made I was going to say, and wasn't there like a weird thing where people thought it, everyone thought it was real? Right, but he completely was... made it up. And then like he made up a book called... No, Robert E. Howard made up a book called Cults to Ghouls. Uh, and like Lovecraft uses that in one of his stories. Uh... Like, so he'll throw out like, the Necronomicon and the King in Yellow. And you're like, well, the King in Yellow is a real fucking book. And like, and Robert E. Howard's gotcha. talking about ghouls. Gotcha, gotcha, like, gotcha, are gotcha. Are these gotcha. real books? So well, we gotta find it. Yeah. So you're you're like, he's building a world that you kind of think might be real. Uh huh. Because he's mentioning real That's things. That's so mentioning funny. Things other authors are doing, and like at the time, no one knew these authors were talking to each other. Uh huh. Like planning all this stuff. Uh huh. So they're like dropping hints in everybody's like. That's in their, so in other crazy. Stories and stuff referencing characters from other stories. Yeah. And shit. 
And even like Conan the Barbarian is heavily influenced by Lovecraft's like it's so stuff. Weird. It's like a Lovecraft story set in a high fantasy realm. Yeah. You're dealing with like I guess monsters and stuff. Like but it fits because in Lovecraft's world all of this has been happening for billions of years. Uh... So like in his world these gods, these elder gods and these outer gods were here and they're the reason oh man, in the most horrible twist of fate. <laughs> they're the reason humanity exists in the first place. Oh, sure, and once sure, man sure. figures out that they're nothing but pawns in this scheme, they go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's that whole thing. Is like, our, what is our purpose? Where are we? Why are we? Why are we so alone? What's mm. the point? What's the point? We're just gonna get our hand eaten off. It's nuts, oh, and it's it. The weird thing is, is you'd think it'd be depressing. Uh huh. But it's not. Weirdly, it's not. It's scary and it's spooky and it like weirds you out a little bit, but it never makes you feel sad. Okay. For some reason, I think it's because well, it never makes me feel sad anyway. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I think it's because like there's this adventure aspect to it. Okay. Um, he's writing like really tout thrillers. Mm-hmm. He's like Michael Crichtoning real hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> And the, you're, you're, like, throwing I mean, yourself. I mean, I just feel like they would have to be that way to be in the format that they were, for the most part, you know? To be right. short little, like, stories. Because if you were writing for that kind of publication at the time, I would think he would want them to be as, like, at, like you know, quote-unquote action-packed. Hitting it, yeah. yeah. And, you know, no, no room for dragging. He probably had certain, like, ward counts and... Oh, yeah. and stuff that Most he had to yeah. well which, maybe which is like why there's <clears throat> there's a couple of novels that never got finished that apparently are out there somewhere really but uh but that, I think that's why he never finished a, a bigger piece too was like, oh, he, he couldn't figure out how to pace it out <laughs> that's interesting like because he, he was so used to writing at that pace well, he writes in such short bursts yeah letters short stories like that's interesting yeah but he's hyper creative. Like right. he's constantly churning out content. Do you uh, do you feel like you? Is there anything else like um, that's inspired by Lovecraft that you're a big fan of? Like, do you find yourself liking the game because it's got similar like well, the, elements? The or game, what's the, I got like, into the game because of the like, it, because of the theme. Honestly. Okay, right, right, I was right. So right. into that's Lovecraft what I figured. That I got into this game, and it was the first real big like. There's this renaissance of new board games. Uh huh. Like that was the first one I got into. Okay. And then I started getting into like um, Dominion. Mm-hmm. And, like uh, I play we play Betrayal at House on the Hill is another one. I've heard of that. That's a really good one. Um, so we started getting all like, and then I meet with a game group, and then we play That's a bunch right. of games. So like we, we play a ton of games, but I can always come back to Arkham because mm-hmm. a it's cooperative, which is really cool. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed the cooperative games I've played before. And uh, it's, it's immer- a lot that game is to- merciless. It's so hard. <laughs> the only time I uh, I think I've either played once or twice, and at least one of those times uh, my character got killed like very early on oh, yeah. and I just had to be a new character. The game character. hates you. And there's uh, so many ways to lose. In but it's game. a lot easier to teach new people to play it. It is. Because when it, it's a little intimidating because it it's is. big and there's a lot of moving pieces. It, it's it's very intimidating but the only time I played it I played with two other people who had played before so they were able to kind of like walk me through everything right. and because it's co-op you don't have to worry about like your strategy is only with one another yeah you're working as a team which is really nice right um you're not you don't have to worry about somebody maybe taking advantage of the fact that you haven't played before right in a competitive way right exactly um, and 
and which was a great game for me to learn how to play bigger board games too. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Plus, I like I got carry, I got a little carried away. <laughs> I've changed up some rules. I have like house versions, like that just make of the game, Arkham. Yeah, well, it just makes the gameplay faster. Okay, and it makes it easier to learn. I know that when I played, the people I played with also had a couple of house rules, so it must be relatively common. Yeah, there's actually it must a list really of have house to be rules. like die hard. <laughs> Not really. There's a list of house rules like approved by the creators. Oh, interesting. But they're they're tweaks, so like they're like you know if you're a little bit more advanced or you want to make the game run faster, um, you, can, you can do this, this, and this. Cool. And like it, it still works the same way. And I, arguably, some of those rules make the game more fun. Huh. Because um, sometimes that game is a Sisyphusian slog. Effort. Yeah, yeah. It just <laughs> you and you can get like just yeah right. So like I've figured out ways to like spice it up and keep play moving fast. There are so. a lot of moving part. There's monsters and portals. Monsters and, and portals and like other world encounters and so many <laughs> cards and tiny cards. And so many pieces. And little brains and like all the money. I I don't know, man. I, <sighs> My friend Lauren keeps them all in like a like a sewing t- kit type box. I do too. I actually have this big um, three four tier. For like, you to have as many thing. expansions as you have, you probably have yeah so like much the, storage for that game. There's trays and then well, it also the the that makes setting up like a breeze. Like I can oh. set that game up in like five minutes. Like because the all the pieces are in little jars, so I yeah. just dump the jars out. And then all the other pieces are in trays, so I just pull them out. All of the cards are in envelopes that I drew, like, little symbols on. Nice. And, like, I have a special monster cup uh, that I made, and then I got a bunch of shit. I That's use special so dice and stuff. I, I get really into Arkham. I was actually um, working on, like, a campaign base for it. Oh, shit. Like, uh, it's called Arkham Season 1, and, like, every game, depending on the outcome... Everybody would pick a character at the beginning, and that's their character throughout. Oh! So you have to keep your stuff, and the, but I'm going to What if you up. die? If you die, you have to start a new character. Bushly. But they're related to the character, so like they, oh. they will them something. So you can pick like two items cool. and some money or something, yeah. and like move it over. Um, that's a, something I just picked up from D&D. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but... Yeah, and so the difficulties of the games ramp up, but you ramp up like you get like levels. And you stuff. also and become gonna, a stronger you're character. Become That's a stronger character. so cool. Um, have you done that yet? I've done a couple games of it. That's... I have a log of it where I keep like a log of what's happening. That's I write a little so story funny. for it. Um, of course you do. It's really fun. That's so funny. Uh, I, mean, I think that's the, so interesting. The, other than Arkham Horror, which is like one of the best games ever. Also, <laughs> there's three spin-off games. There's Elder Sign, which is a dice-based version of Arkham Horror. There's Mansions of Madness, which is a random tile board version of Arkham Horror. Oh, kind of like a... Uh... It's like Betrayal, where you take the tile and you flip it, and then yep. you're exploring a haunted house. Oh, cool. Um, that sounds cool. And then there's Eldritch Horror, which is the newest one, which is actually like a streamlined version of Arkham Horror. Interesting. In which the board is the world, and you're doing bigger quests. Oh. But they all share the same characters and monsters, so you could like use pieces Oh, them. shit. Yeah. Dang, that, see, the I just Mansions think... comes with miniatures of the monsters, but the bases hold the little monster cards in them. They already Arkham. existed. But oh. the, they're in Arkham. Right, right, right. So you can use those monsters in Arkham to have, like, miniatures on your board. <sighs> that's so crazy. See, I think that's just, this is one of the reasons I want to talk about it, though, because I think that's just such a good example of, like, the way that, I mean, obviously Lovecraft specifically inspired like it's crazy that there's 
you just talked about how many different like versions, iterations, expansions of of a game that originally came out in the late eighties. No way! Yeah, I had no idea. The current version of Arkham Horror is a is a revised printing. Of course, um, it came out in the eighties, and everyone hated it because it was impossible so to play. So many rules and parts. <laughs> right, but like it had gotten this cult following. Yeah, which is of course it did. Cult following. Yeah, quote unquote cult following. <laughs> and because uh, with, with Lovecraft, you don't know. Mm. Uh, it could be like an actual cult. It could, oh, that's uh, funny. I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> so like you, you would have to... <laughs> Like well, they, now you have to speak to that. You can't just, like, casually drop that. Oh, well, yeah, Lovecraft wrote about cults and stuff, like, uh, these cults that worship these elder gods. But then, like, later there was, like, this cult of people. Lovecraft who, like, thought his works were real. And because it's it's very weird. The guy talks about stuff, and I think it's just because it was really well-read. And uh-huh. he knew a lot about world history. Uh-huh. But the, the actual, like, elder gods and evil things he's referencing... Um, go back a long time. Like they're Are typically like, like legend based legends, on other legends. Um, weird. What's this? Uh, well, Cthulhu is like the most well known. Like yeah, like so Cthulhu is like the evil priest of Relia. Blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> but he's like a squid god thing, and he came mm-hmm. from space and like waged war on Earth. Is he in more than one story, or is he like so why is he the such main a central story, character? Well, he's such a central character because the story he's in, The Call of Cthulhu. Cthulhu, however the hell you say it, is, uh, is the first story Lovecraft wrote that really inspired the whole thing. Okay. So in the story, this guy gets a finds a trunk of his uncle's and it's full of this weird shit and he's like, "What the fuck's this weird shit?" <laughs> and it tells these stories of like this guy, this other guy came to his uncle and was like, "I'm having these weird dreams." <laughs> his uncle's like, "What are they about?" And so he's like, they're about this evil monster under the waves, and he's going to come and kill us all. And he's like, well, you're crazy. And he's like, but I drew this. And he hands him this, like, clay, like, etching. And he's like, well, this is obviously, like, you're an artist. This is obviously your imagination. He's like, but I drew when I was asleep. Oh. And so he's like, oh, no. <laughs> I then, drew this before I had... Oh my gosh! Right. Okay. So he in, like then there's this tale. The tale of Inspector Legrasse is the next part of it, and it's about this uh, police inspector in New Orleans, and they bo- broke up this voodoo ceremony in the swamps, and they found this idol, and it's oh, the same thing. Cool, 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 cool. And so cool, he traces cool. it back to. Can in- you imagine if you're like some little weirdo slash kid or somebody who picked up these like pulp. Uh, magazines like as they were getting as oh, these yeah. stories were getting released that's, yeah that's the other and thing. like actually starting to pick up on it especially since his his all of his stories are written like it's either like a journal mm-hmm. um interspersed with like what's li- they're like newspaper clippings mm-hmm. so like that's these, crazy they're like these weird journals Very, like, all in war first world person. and stuff like, like that oh so i can't talk about what crowley did like it's all it's all like that so it all has this really personal feel to it cool and each narrator even though they're all lovecraft kind of has a different feel to him uh-huh which is an interesting like tweak in his writing uh-huh but uh so yeah, they eventually get to the tail. There's of the an alert. idol of Just, yeah, and they get to the tail of the alert, which is this boat that after an earthquake during oh yeah during like these people having their dreams or a lot of earthquakes in the South Pacific, and this boat comes across this island that just came out of nowhere and it's all covered in slime, but all of the like. It looks like there's buildings on it, but they are all at weird angles, like alien angles, Cyclopean he calls it. 
because he makes up shit like that. <laughs> and uh, they go. That's, it sounds so impossible to read sometimes. Sometimes it's a little. It slogs a little. It. But he, that's what he wanted. He wanted it to be like that because that adds a little more like genuineness to it. Uh huh. So they get off the boat. They go there. A bunch of them die. They get out back on the boat and try to get away. Cthulhu rises up. And one of my favorite parts of that story is because it, how they beat him is ridiculous. The dude just like rams him in the face with the boat <laughs> and he like goes was he the whole island no so Relea is like his where he lives okay and then because they hit him with the boat he but then he like reconstitutes himself but then he sinks beneath the waves and there he lays sleeping you gotta uh, leave it yeah you gotta you know leave it so that Shredder's hand can come punch it through yeah, the wreckage exactly so <laughs> like th- so that was the first one and like I, I can imagine being like a kid or a writer reading that and being like holy yeah, right. Being like, what I know. Is this? And so we wrote other ones, like The Haunter in the Dark is one of my favorites. It's about this guy, also Lovecraft, who, because uh, they're all Lovecraft, uh, <laughs> like looks out his window and he sees this church steeple. And he like tries to run around Providence looking for it, but he can't find it. And he finds this like abandoned church. And he goes inside and it used to be like this weird, it's called the Sept of the Starry Wisdom. And like... He goes in there and he finds out, like, this journal, and then, oh, look, there's conveniently, I think in the offhand, he's like, and then there was a copy of the dreaded Necronomicon, but I looked at the journal. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, there's that book again. Just gonna throw it in there, baby. But it's like this, he finds this box with this, it's called a shining trapehedron, or trapezoidron, or some shit. And, like, it's glow, and it it's is. this rock, and it's, like, glowing. But what he does when he opens it, he sees this other plane, but he lets out this monster. Oh. Um, it's called the Haunter in the Dark, and he fears it coming, So, he's, it, but it, it can only travel through the darkness. So uh, he keeps all the lights on in his house. And he's just, like, at the window, like, ah. Oh, gosh. And this then, does, this sounds very, like, Poe. Yeah. That does. And then, like, one night there's this big lightning storm, and all the power goes out, and he's, like, freaking the fuck out. And then, so he's, like, counting the lightning flashes. Oh, and then there's just like, and then another lightning flash, and uh, uh, and then it just like stops. Uh, and then the next page is like a, a report of him being found, like mangled. Oh, that's awful! That's so scary. There's a later one that even takes that further, which is not by Lovecraft, but by another author called The Hounds of Tindalos, and it's about these beings that can travel through right angles across dimensions. What is... Who's the author? I can't remember. That sounds really vaguely familiar for some reason. Uh, but he accidentally, like, looks back in time and they see him. And they're, like, uh, coming from him. So he has to, like, plaster his apartment into, like, a perfect dome. Oh, my God! In order to keep them from getting him. That's crazy! They get... They... As the years go by, more people add to it. They, get, they have to get, they get crazier to be crazy. unique. So, like, yeah... There's a there's an entire series called like Delta Green, uh-huh. which is about like a secret organization that formed after the Feds raided Innsmouth in the Lovecraft story, Jesus. and how they've been like running this whole thing the whole time. Oh my gosh! It gets crazy. I can't believe how many, how much. I mean, I can't think of too many like authors who that can be said for Mm-mm. that that there's still things that are like so directly related to what they created oh absolutely and then like you have uh really prominent people making stuff that's directly based off of his stuff like right like king king wrote a a short story um the mist oh is his like ode to hp lovecraft really yeah i would never have realized it's that. about this like the mist which is, like, john carpenter um no that was frank darabont 
uh, did the Mist adaptation. Okay. Uh, yeah. What is... Isn't there a... John Carpenter version of... S- another Stephen... It doesn't matter. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what I'm no, thinking I, of. I, Frank Darabont did Shawshank Redemption, too. Okay, right. Um, Darabont likes to adapt Stephen King. He did Green Mile, too. Right. Um, Carpenter's, like... Carpenter ran with Lovecraft so hard. Carpenter and Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon in the, in the 80s did Reanimator, and he also did From Beyond, which are both Lovecraft adaptations. Cool. Um, Stuart Gordon also, like, adapted a Poe story that I love. Uh, <laughs> that one's really cool. But, uh, he... What was that? Uh, the, he, he adapted The Black Hat. Okay. Um, but in... But he changes it where the main character is Poe. Oh. Uh, and, re- like, Jeffrey Combs, who's in Reanimator, plays Poe. It's, it's really good. It's a whole thing. Um... And that's from the there was a series called Masters of Horror. Uh huh. Like famous horror directors would direct like one hour movies. Cool. I think uh, I've heard of that. Yeah, the Carpenter does a couple. Uh-huh. Uh huh. His are really good. The Thing? Did he do The Thing? Yeah, Carpenter yeah. did The Thing, which is like one of his biggest like Lovecraft inspired ones because okay. it's about this alien. I knew there. I knew it was like the something, and yeah. that's exactly absolutely what I was thinking. Because that's about this alien, and then like in the Arctic, and the people have to. Like determine if it's them. Uh, the thing is actually so directly cool. it's I... a remake of a 1950s movie called The Thing from Outer Space, right? Which is based off of a short story by Algernon Blackwood called uh, "Who Goes There," That's so... which was a story that heavily inspired Lovecraft. What? Yeah. So it's like he he was inspired by something, and then eventually it became. A thing that was inspired by him, yeah. kind of like it's, it's all cyclical. It's really weird. <laughs> that is crazy. Uh, Carpenter also did a movie called In the Mouth of Madness, mm-hmm. which is his kind of send up to Lovecraft. It's about Sam Neill is like an investigator and he has to go find this uh, like missing author. Okay. And the author's books come to life, and it's cool. so heavily Lovecraft. Cool, like, cool, cool. The author cool, cool. is Lovecraft, but not. And it's called In the Mouth of Madness, which is really close to At the Mountains of Madness, mm-hmm. and like. Uh, it's a really weird movie. It's really good, but it's all like this big love letter. To love That's me. so funny. I, I just don't know if I even realized how permeating a lot of this stuff was. Oh uh, yeah, it it's way in there. Like it's back in there. It's in that collective subconscious. And you, there's everybody has seen or read or listened to something that has some sort of like connection back to Lovecraft because uh-huh. he's influenced the way a lot of like even after his death like he influenced small publishers when the people put on like made Arkham House and created this publishing company um oh yeah he I didn't legitimize even think... like pulp so I've heard of stuff. Arkham House as a publisher it's crazy that it's like that big of a publishing house it's not that's the thing it's it, really it's, it's a little bit bigger now but they still do limited runs um I've totally heard of Arkham Publishing. Huh. Yeah, Arkham House is pretty... It's pretty or cool. Arkham House Publishing. Their editions are highly sought after collectibles, which is why I bought myself. It's uh, volume four of his letters. Have found... they really... Have they only done, like, his stuff? Or do they publish they other publish things? They publish some other stuff. I thought so. Um, mostly weird horror, but a lot of it around that Lovecraft circle huh. of people. That's so... In- like... I mean, their first book was The Outsider and Others, which was the first collection of Lovecraft stories. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, it's also gotcha. like one of the most expensive books made after 1900, like ever. That's crazy. 
that it's still that like hard to even though it's so why do you think that is why do you think it's so influential and still so hard to like well i think because it it, it lovecraft said that the the oldest and most responsive uh emotion of a human being has is fear and that the deepest sort of fear is the fear of the unknown oh that's great so like um he also says like at the beginning of Call of Cthulhu I think it's uh the most merciful thing of the human mind is the inability to classify all of its parts (laughs) oh my gosh just like this shit that you really identify with because you feel that way yeah it's like oh no I've never thought about it that succinctly but but we all do that we all kind of come up against that wall of kind of insignificance Uh where we're just like what are we actually doing especially when you start gripping with like death uh-huh. When people like think when grief starts happening around you, mm-hmm. you start thinking about bigger questions, and then oh, you start for sure, you start thinking about like universal things. And now we know so much about the universe and where we come from and how it all works that even now you think, well, fuck, it's so big, right? What does it matter? Right. Especially when it pretty much looks like we're completely alone. Right. Which is a weird thing. I mean, that comes into the whole Fermi paradox, which yeah. is another topic. Like, where are all the fucking aliens? Like, yeah. Uh, there's so many really interesting Knowing so on the, little on the Fermi paradox. In the grand scheme of things, about such an expanse of the universe. And they think, like, he was, he knew even less. Right, like, exactly. This is the 30s. Like, exactly. They, like, they're finally getting bigger and thus the fear is greater that's the fear is big or maybe it's less i don't know he also had a big he had a it's it's unknown if he had a seafood allergy or if he was just really really creeped out by seafood that's so funny but that kind of plays into it too most of his monsters are sea related yeah like he just like didn't like that that's so funny um, and then there's a, another underlying thing in the fact that he's kind of a huge xenophobe. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think based on everything else that comes <laughs> pretty apparent. Yeah, he's kind of a huge xenophobe, which is, I mean, I don't excuse it at any like yeah. point, but I mean, it's a different time and like he's different a very time. sheltered man. He was already, yeah, I was going to say who's already not crazy about, didn't seem like he was crazy about people in general. No, but he was like raised to be a shut in and everything. Um, so that kind of translates a little bit in there too. It's like <laughs> other things are bad. Aliens, no, but aliens are just like Irish people. <laughs> <laughs> right. right, right. Because like he could apparently like trace his family heritage like back so many generations, and he was I don't know, just dumb shit. <laughs> what does the HP stand for? Howard Phillips. I'm really, really glad I asked that. I would have gotten out of this without knowing. Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Why HP? Just um, to be a shorter byline? Uh, yeah, to be a shorter byline. Uh, his name is Howard Lovecraft, but uh, his mother's maiden name is Phillips. Okay. His father actually died Did everybody asylum. call him HP? I don't know. Did he, like, sign? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, did he, like, he sign letters HP, HP? Okay, okay. Uh, you said his father died in an asylum? His daughter, yeah, oh yeah, here in Chicago, actually. He was, a, he was a salesman, and he died in an asylum from complications due to syphilis. Oh, shit. Yeah. Why was, uh, they think he went cuckoo because of the syph? Yeah. That sucks. 
Was it that asylum that used to be in the left field at Wrigley Field? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's like what apparently Charlie, who did the podcast about Chicago history, told me there used to be an asylum really close to Wrigley Field, and it was like in left field. So that was like where the term originated. Like, oh, he's out in left field, and it's like a reference to like a literal crazy person (laughs) in an asylum. I love finding out where things like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah, yeah. It, it was it was uh, very silly. Um, oh shit! I was gonna ask another similar question along the those same lines of like name things and debt. Oh, I remember. Uh, you were yeah. So he signed things as, things as HPL. Do you know anything about um, like? Uh, Ron L. Ron Hubbard's like yeah. influence because uh, he, he was pretty influenced by him as well right? oh yeah as a sci-fi writer yeah um, and they were also writing kind of contemporarily that's kind of what I thought uh, Hubbard was writing for pulps before he went um, and got kicked out of the Navy uh, right and like it came back uh, for like wasn't it like, he, like open fire on a log or something yeah. and then like he bombed like a, a like a resort or like a Mexican like in island. yeah in going clear they like they say that he like he claimed he left the navy because he got injured or something right, like that right but he left the, they kicked but him out he because was he was like, like just terrible yeah yeah um I thought they were kind of contemporaries a little bit yeah, especially there's a little the, bit of an overlap there mm-hmm. especially from even when you describe like common themes and the common like the prolifer like because. L. Ron Hubbard was also super prolific. Oh, yeah. In terms oh, well, of L. Ron Hubbard written. was way more prolific than Lovecraft. Well, he was. Wrote, he also like, lived a, like twice as long. Right, but he was just like cranking out bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the thing about. And I've read some of Hubbard's fucking fiction, and it's god awful. Really? It's not good. No. No. <laughs> it's bad. <sighs> Like his early well, stuff. Well, he was, because all he was doing was just trying to write volume so right. that he could make it's money. It's the same with Dickens, and everybody's uh, like, oh, Dickens is amazing. I'm like, not really. I mean, Grace Rotations is he's, boring as hell. Grace Rotations is boring as fuck. That's like, the most boring book I've ever dude, read. David Copperfield and is, I've read it goes nowhere. Nothing happens in that Longer book. books than that, but that's the most boring book I've ever read. And you're just like, oh, Bleak House, don't even get started. Yeah. It's like, dude was writing, because he was getting paid by the word. Right. So, so yeah, of course he's gonna write like a billion words. L R H. Just gonna be like, I'm gonna just get all the get all money. Yeah, he got paid by the cent. Like, but, I mean, L R H was just all about money. All about the cash. And yeah. that's why everybody I mean, in like now in Scientology is like money. Yeah, I mean, that's there's like a quote that's like, you you want to make the most money, start a religion. Yeah. <laughs> then he did. Anyway, uh, what was it? Uh, Del Close told him that. Oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> I that that is part of the lore. You're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, because they were friends. There's Del Close wrote a comic book in the '80s called Wasteland for DC, and uh, there's a I think in like issue four or five he talks about a uh, he, he writes about and then it is illustrated a meeting between uh, him and L. Ron Hubbard. No which, way. Like, he's, like, he's at a Dianetic Center like talking with L. Ron of Hubbard. Of course he is. And I think that's prefi- like right before that is a story about him being like really trippy on acid like in the sewers of Chicago hunting rats with like a flamethrower. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
Uh, speaking of Del Close, uh, how do you, what are some ways that you feel like, uh, you've been creatively influenced? Obviously we've talked about this a decent amount. What are some I ways? Mean, what's that to the show? Yeah. 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 Um, what are some ways you feel like you've been creatively influenced by like your love of, uh, HP Lovecraft and how do you feel like it's kind of influenced your life in a bigger picture? Well, in a bigger picture, I don't take things like, okay. So when I think about. I don't think about big questions a whole lot because mm-hmm. I kind of let the universe decide that shit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that because it's what the hell are you gonna do about it? Crushing, <laughs> yeah, depressing when you think about it too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I try not to do that. Well, but in like performing, um, I mean directly, mm-hmm. I reference weird shit a lot. Yeah, like, sure. I talk about like we, I do a lot of summonings and like there's a lot of demons and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, as More than one occasion, I'm probably like digging up something. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's really, so funny. But I mean, like, Lovecraft wasn't like that. Like, it was what, Whoa, sorry. That was my computer falling off the couch. <laughs> uh, Lovecraft was one of those things that really got me into. It was like a gateway into weird shit. Mm-hmm. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So like, I got really into like weird black magic shit, and like not like practicing it, but like reading right. about it, and like occult stuff, mm-hmm. and then like that got me into. Like, I feel like you would have had to to like right be... it kind of branches out You're yeah like, yeah oh, I like this this would be cool hey that's a neat goat skull that would be cool right it's like yeah. going down a wikipedia rabbit hole but like, like with in interests life. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you're like oh yeah pentagrams look cool that's right that's so like... funny it's not like like I did that stuff to like look cool or anything. I just did that stuff because I was generally interested in it. Because mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is neat. I know it's kind of bullshit, but like I like reading about John Dee, the Queen's alchemist, and like how he was all like, I'm gonna meet Satan. Oh <laughs> like, gosh! Like oh my god! Yeah. Uh, but then you think about well, Lovecraft was kind of taking shit from that too, and I'm like, oh man, what is my life? <laughs> but then like you start reading like. I think one time I read the Satanic Bible like as to see like that shit. Yeah. You realize that. How old were you when you did this? Oh, this wasn't too long ago. This was probably when I was like 20. Okay. Um, you read the Satanic Bible, but what it does is it starts taking away stigma from some of this shit. Oh, There's such a stigma around that, but Satanism is just a philosophy. It's not really a religion. Um, they don't like really claim to be a huge religion. Mm-hmm. They don't really get tax breaks. There's no like centralized church of Satan. It's not like Scientology, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of like Satan. It gets a connotation because of its name, Satanism. Sure. But Satan is just a placeholder for the self. Oh. Like in Satanism, you're worshiping yourself. You're putting yourself before. <laughs> I think else. I've heard like a little bit about this from a different source before. Right. So instead of being like something else is giving me everything that I need and want and when I don't get it that's that something else being like I don't need it right being like no I take care of myself I'm the one who gets what I want and I'm gonna do what I need to do to get it right and it's not about but even it's not even evil or anything like it's like be nice to people but if someone is mean to you don't take that shit I believe it's if someone strikes you in the cheek, turn around and destroy them. Oh God! It's not it's turn the other cheek. It's, it's just like crush them, and then others will know not to crush with you. Yeah. So like, I got into that, and then like I started reading more, and that got me into philosophy and uh-huh. like how to deal. Because like, th- there's interesting tenets there, and there's interesting tenets in Christianity, and there's interesting tenets in there, and so like it kind of pulled all this stuff together. Sure. To kind of create a belief system of my own. Yeah. Which is just As like, I think... don't die and kind of be nice to people. <laughs> until nice you do die. And don't die. And, I mean... And kind of, like, eat a couple times a day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sometimes I have to remind myself. That works for me, man. Uh, it works for me. It seems to be working for you. I'm so still alive. And and don't I'm die. Usually pretty nice. To try to be nice to people. Just try. Eat a couple times a day. Eat a couple times a day. That's like, I would put that in a book and be like, buy this. <laughs> and if enough people bought it, I could be tax exempt. Right. That's true. Um, I mean, it might take a while. It might take you'd decades. have to be like really charismatic. Yeah, and not have like a bunch of like uh, subpoenas and shit. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm not selling snake oil here. <laughs> yeah, you're just selling a religion. Uh, is there anything else that you feel like you'd be remiss to not talk about? I know how much you could talk about. I mean, I could talk about a, a myriad of things. But all day. is there anything that's like a favorite aspect of his writing or his life or anything that? Well, I mean, even even with? now. He's still kind of a weird. It's it's not underground so much anymore, or like niche. It's it's more mainstream, but uh-huh. even, it's still kind of like. I mean, I feel outskirts like the mainstream. I absolutely think it is it outskirts of mainstream at best. Like yeah. I think, I think it's like you said. I think his name. You hear his name a lot, but I don't necessarily think that it's like he's a well known. I don't think people, that means people know a lot about him. No, but I mean, I feel like that's, he was always an outsider in life and he always wrote about being an outsider. And so like, it's kind of interesting that even his legacy, even though he's like kind of famous and people, he's well-known author, people know his name and he's influenced so many people. He's still kind of an outsider. Like that's really cool. Are there any Lovecraftian cons? There is, um, sort of, there's a couple, there's a con in Providence, a hometown. Oh, that w- makes a lot of sense. There's the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society, and they okay. do, like, a bigger thing. Um, and then there's a thing with, uh, Fantasy Fight Week Games does Arkham Nights once oh. a year, which is their, like, Arkham Horror Con. Cool. Where you play all the Arkham games, and there's a big tournament and everything. Cool, so. cool, cool, cool. Where is that? That is in, I think they're in, they're in Minnesota. Fantasy gotcha. Flight's, like, up north, but. Curious. It just seems like a thing that enough people are into that something like that oh, yeah. would exist. I actually almost... I'm probably going to go buy it this week. But there's <laughs> a book I saw at Myopic Books um, that is... Uh, it's like fantasy role-playing in the Lovecraft universe, but like uh, live action. Cool. Because so, uh, there's a ton of role-playing games based off Lovecraft. I like, would think so. With uh, that much world and character oh, and, and weird shit. Are, those books are awesome. <laughs> but this one's about live action role playing, like LARPing yeah. Lovecraft. Right. Um, but it's from like 1996. Oh shit. And it's all photographs. Oh my god. Of people like in costumes. That's so funny. And then like you open it up and there's like plans on how to build the monster. Oh, uh, you're gonna do this. I want to get it. So you're bad. gonna. This we gotta. We just gotta wrap this puppy up so That's you can. Fair. I gotta. Get yeah, to... I gotta go break into myopic books and. and... <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, yeah, man. I love talking. <laughs> Me too. That's I like talking I... about stuff. Like, I, I almost went on a tangent on horror movies, uh-huh. comic books. Uh-huh. Um, those are things I could talk for days about. Video games. Yeah, There's we got to. So much stuff. We covered good ground. Yeah. I'm, I'm pleased. Thank you so much for doing yeah, this with me. Yeah, dude. So much fun. Uh, I'm glad I could enlighten you a little bit on the man that was yeah. Phillips Lovecraft. I'm really glad as well. As soon as you told me um, that's what your topic was, I was like, well, I will learn. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have played Arkham Horror and know what Cthulhu is kind of. He's and that's kind like of a end boring of guy, sentence. but he's like really interesting at the same time. Like, it's always interesting to... And for me to interpret the creative process of other people. That I can totally relate yeah. to. And this was great. It was so much fun.
Thank you so much. Yeah, anytime. Morgan, I love you and I mean that. Oh, I love you too. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.